I uh, forgot I was using this mic today. I came out here and think they can't hear me. Well, they couldn't hear me because they didn't have my mic. Hey, I am so, so glad you're here. A couple things I want to say before I get started. First of all, if you have never been baptized and uh, you've been thinking about that, next Sunday is Baptism Sunday, and we have that at the second service, during the second service. So if you've never been baptized, you've been thinking about it, hey, that is the next step. Once you give your life to Christ, that's the next step. Or maybe you gave your life to Christ years ago, but you've never been baptized. That is the moment. It is such a serious thing that Jesus himself was baptized. He walks down into the water, and John the Baptist looked at him and said, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And Jesus said, this is necessary to fulfill the Father's will. It's the Father's will that every believer be baptized. So if you haven't been baptized, baptism, it does, it, being baptized does not make you saved. It just tells everybody, and it is a public witness, that you have given your life to Christ. So if you've never been baptized, or you've recently given your life to Christ, or maybe you rededicate. Now, if you've been baptized before, that's cool. But if, if, if um, I was looking at my, my son's, uh, um, his Facebook, and six years ago today, I baptized him, and that was just kind of a cool moment. So it's just a, it's, it's a really, really big thing. So if you have not done that, sign up for that uh, this Sunday, and plus you get a free T-shirt. I looked at them. They're really cool. So uh, make sure you do that. Another thing is, I'm just curious. Do we have anybody? We had some in the first service. Do we have anybody here that's graduating college, graduating high school, graduating tech school, anything? Anybody in the house that's graduating today? Uh, will you stand? Just real quickly stand. We just want to recognize you. Come on. Stand. Let's give them a hand. Come on. Congratulations. All right, you can be seated. We're not going to have you sing or anything, unless you want to sing. Did you want to come up here and sing? Okay, we do this thing called the chicken dance with all the grat. No, I'm just kidding. So, no, no, no. Thank you, and there's, uh, uh, thank you for graduating. We're excited about the next chapter of your life. Hey, in this series, True Love, what we've been talking about is we've been defining what love is. And last week, we talked about in Mother's Day, we talked about what it is to love our wives and love the women of our lives. But today begins the really meat of what we're talking about, true love. This thing called love that leads us to be attracted to each other all the way to the place where we do something crazy, like decide we're going to spend the rest of our lives with the opposite sex. And it brings us into a place where we have children and families. But what does true love look like? Well, today we're going to dive into some of the scripture passages that define what real love, according to the creator of love, what that really looks like today. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today, and thank you for the opportunity that we have to learn about true love from the creator of true love. I ask, Lord, that you will have your way in our lives and speak to us and say to us what you would have us hear, and may we be receptive to what you would say to us in Christ's name. And everybody said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, love is a funny thing. Or in the words of the infamous James Brown, ha, hey, love is a funny thing. That's the way he said it. I saw him say it just like that. So what is love? What is love? Well, in our culture, love is all over the place. Man, I love ice cream. I love my guitar. I love my cat. I love your hair. I love fried chicken. I love Taco Tuesday. Think about how we loosely use that word love. 
then when somebody says or you say, I love you, it kind of loses its brevity. Well, if you're thinking about being married or maybe you're married, you said a wedding vow. If you're thinking about being married, there is actually a promise, a vow to love someone. So if that's the case, we need to take a look at that. Listen to a, a wedding vow. There's many wedding vows, but this is just a part of one, and I've done many, many weddings. This is one of the wedding vows. I take you to be my lawfully wedded wife or husband. Before these witnesses, I vow to love you. I promise to love you and care for you as long as we both shall live. Then it goes on to say something about richer for poor in sickness and in health. So, so if you're married or you're thinking about it, you're making a promise, a commitment for the rest of your life to love another person. Since you're making that promise, then it is important. Would you agree? It's important to understand what you're promising to do. It's, it's really important that we understand that. We don't understand that all the time. There is a place in Scripture where the Bible not just defines love, but it gives examples of what love does. It actually says love is this, love is that. Love is not this. Love, love is not this and love is not that. And it says, it not only says what love is, it also says what love does and does not do. That's found in 1 Corinthians 13 and 4. Look at these actions and these, and these meanings of, of the word love. It says this. Love is patient, and it is also kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of when it has been, been wronged. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but love rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Listen to this. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful, and love endures through every circumstance. That's what love is, and that's what love does. It is also what love does not do. So, so we find here that true love has depth. There is a deeper meaning of love from Scripture passages than how we use it so loosely. We also find out that that love isn't just feeling. Love, love is more than a feeling, right? Love is more than a feeling. It is so much more than a feeling. Love is a verb. Love acts in certain ways. It is, it is action steps. And, and it, it, it finds out how to love a person and love acts in certain ways. Because, and, and it's important that we realize this, especially if we're guys, because guys don't always get this. Baby, I told you I loved you, and if that ever changes, I'll let you know. No, love acts certain ways. Reminds me of a story of two guys that were on a golf course. They were up on the putting green. This guy had this, about this three-foot putt, and he was, he was lining up about to putt. And all of a sudden, this funeral procession goes by. And as this funeral procession is going by, he stops. He doesn't even sink that putt. He just stops. He takes his hat off, and he puts it over his heart, and he sits there. For just like a moment of silence, for about three minutes, as every single car goes by with their lights on. And then he, when it's all gone, takes a moment, sinks that three-foot putt, and he gets back into that golf cart with his friend. They go to the next hole, and his buddy saying, you know, I'm just curious. I want you to know that I got a lot of respect for you. When that funeral went by, you stopped, have, had a moment of silence. I've never seen any silence. I've never seen anybody do that. I got a tremendous amount of respect for you. And he goes, 
Well, it's the least I could do for her. I was married to her for 50 years. <laughs> so love, love has certain actions that may or may not be a true story. But love has certain feelings and it has certain actions. Well, it just so happens that in Scripture, love has different meanings. For example, if I were to say, I love you, that has a certain context in our English language. It really means one thing in our language. However, in the Greek language, it has at least four different meanings. So I want to talk about the four different words that are given in Scripture for the word love. And here's the idea. The idea behind this is you need every one of these different dimensions or love words in your marriage to have a, a successful marriage. Or I don't want to say successful marriage. I want to say happy couples that love their marriage, okay? Happy couples that love their marriage, they have different dimensions of love. So let's talk about the four different loves that the scripture talks about. The first one is storge. Everybody say storge. Now this is a love that is associated. This is a love that is associated with families. This is a love that you might have for your kids or you might have for your brothers and sisters. Now you can say this. uh, if, If you have kids, you can say, you know what? The love that I have for my kids is different than the love that I have for my spouse. But it is no less. It's just as, you know what I'm talking about. And a lot of times it's hard to explain to somebody that doesn't have children what it is like to have a kid. But this particular love is associated with, with having a family, people that are close in proximity in relationship. It is the affectionate bond that develops naturally between parents and children, brothers and sisters. The idea is that they are yours that they are family, that they are familiar. There are things in your life that are familiar that, that, that you just, that you love. I mean, you know, this is, this is something kind of different, but are there things in your life that you just love because it's just your favorite thing? You got a favorite shirt? You got a, do you have go-to pair of shoes? I, I do, I have like go-to pairs of shoes. I have, I have go-to pairs of socks. I have, I have four drawers filled with socks. I probably got more socks than anybody here, but I have go-to socks. I go to my Under Armour socks because they're, they have a certain feel. I think I'm wearing some today. Oh, yeah. They, the way they fit a little snug on my ankles, and they got this snug, you know, around the arch, and they're thicker, and the toes, I just, they're just my go-to socks. My, they're my favorite socks. Maybe, maybe there's certain favorite things that you go to, you have go-to things every day. Well, your family is a lot like that, but here's, here's the deal. In Scripture, there are examples about that. There's the, the love that Jacob had towards Joseph. If you know that story, the Bible says that, that, that Jacob actually favored Joseph because this was the son that was born in his older age. Jacob had 12 sons, but Joseph was his favorite because he actually grew up, became mature, worked some things out in his life, settled a little bit, and then understood what it was really like. To, and then he has this son, Joseph, which... Which, which was the son that he loved. It's, 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 it's a good example of that. Another good example is the relationship of Mary and Martha, the friends, or actually I believe it was the cousins of Jesus. You can see that there was, they were close sisters and that they would actually argue and they'd bicker a little bit. But every time you saw, about every time you saw Mary, you saw Martha. They were inseparable. They're family. It's the easiest form of love because it's familiar. How many of you know, how many of you agree if you have children, your kids don't have to work to earn your love. 
It's a different kind of love. Now, you feel a little bit different when it comes to your spouse, okay? But when it comes to your kids, I don't know about you, but my kids didn't wake up every day and say, you know what, what am I going to do to earn my dad's love today? I, you know what, I'm going to do some things. It doesn't matter what they did. They couldn't earn my love. It was just because they were mine. There was, it, there was, another thing is they, they, you know, they can't do anything to cause me to stop loving them. Now, they can do things that I would get upset with them, but they can do nothing to make me stop loving them. That is the idea of storge love. And I want to tell you something. It's important that as couples that we walk and we grow in this storge love. I love you because you are mine. The next love is philea love. Everybody say philea. How'd you clean that fish? I phileaed it. <laughs> Sorry. Philea. I shouldn't have said that. That's the idea of friendship, of friendship love. Now, here's the deal about philea love. It is an affectionate love designed uniquely to followers and believers of Christ. So there is camaraderie in the world, and there is close brotherly type of friendship, but God gives a special type of philea love that has to do with the bond of Christ. It's kind of the fellowship that we feel in connect groups. And it, that, that as you are part of the body of Christ, as you grow in this love, what happens a lot of times is God puts the spirit of love on the inside of you. And it helps you to grow in brotherly love towards brothers and sisters. John 13 and 34 says it like this. Jesus says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Now, the reason this was such a big deal is because this was the night before Jesus was crucified. He said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. He's basically saying to them, I know that you know the Old Testament commandments. You know the, 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 the Ten Commandments. But I'm going to give you a new commandment, an eleventh commandment, if you will. This is such a significant thing to them. The other thing is that... The disciples had grown up in Old Testament law. These were Hebrew Jews. They had grown up under the thought of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If you do this to me, it is lawful and it is justified for me to do this to you. Now, just for a second, if, if we hear that a lot, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. First of all, remember, that's written to Old Testament Jews. That is not for new believer Christians. We live under a new covenant. But... Another thing that we realize is Jesus says, I give you a commandment as believers of Christ, as belonging to me, that I want your love to be a little bit different. And here's what I'm telling you to do. I want you to love each other. And then I'm going to tell you what that looks like. He says, love each other just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another. Let me just stop right there. Love each other as I have loved you. Peter, you're about to deny me. Peter would deny him that night. This was, this was while they were in this room. This was during the communion. Jesus had this conversation with him. As I have loved you, as I have forgiven you, as I have walked through you through all of your circumstances, as I have been with you and brought you out of situations, just as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. That's, that, that is the standard. And then he goes on to say, say this in the 35th verse. He says this. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Notice that it doesn't say your knowledge of the word of God will prove to others that you're my disciples. I'm not discounting knowing the word of God. Your, your highly spiritual activity will prove to the world. It doesn't say that. Your evangelism 
Your churches, your, the, the way that you, will you put that back up there? Your, your, your spiritual, your, I mean, your event, the way that you're building churches, the way that you serve, the, all the things that you're doing, that's going to prove that you're my disciples. No, sir. Your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. So I want to ask you a question. When the world sees our love for one another, when they encounter any environment in our church, when they encounter the coffee bar, do they see a different kind of love and a different kind of bonding? When they, when they see us in the parking lot, when they see us serving on the host team, when they see us as a band, when they see us serving as kids ministry, when they see us in the red shirts, how do we treat each other? Is there a certain love? Wow, wow. They treat each other differently. There is a love and a bond that they experience that, that really I don't experience in life. I would like to experience that kind of love. What do they see? And in the same way, in the same way that he has called us to be that way towards each other, when people see our marriages, do they see that filet of love, that friendship type, type of love? You see, because he or she is not just your spouse that you fell in love with. She or he is also a fellow follower of Christ, which is there is a spiritual bond that takes place. That's why the Bible says that we are not supposed to marry unbelievers because we are in a covenant relationship with people who don't believe. And if, and if, and if you've married somebody, the Bible says that's not a reason to divorce. It just says if you knowingly are a Christian, you should not marry somebody who is not a Christian because your values and your beliefs and you're struggling, you're heading in opposite directions. There is a bond that happens within marriages that is not experienced unless both people follow Christ. And when the world sees that, they should see a different kind of love on the inside of us. Amen? So what do they see? In 1 Peter 4 and 8, he says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for one another. Most important. This is Apostle Peter, who was writing a letter to a church. He says, most important, continue to show deep love for one another. And then he says, why? For love covers a multitude of sins. There is, there, is a, a, there is a side of me that might offend you sometimes. You might offend me sometimes. If we're going to be around each other, we might offend each other. If, if you're in a home and you're married to someone, that spouse is going to offend you. They're going to upset you and vice versa. You're going to offend so At some point, the bad part of you, the, 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 the Dr. Heckle and the, the Dr. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Thank you, God. I mean, you know, the wonderful thing about this church is you guys know that I lose it every now and then, and you always got my back. I know what he's trying to say. I'll just say it out loud. <laughs> so, so there's a part of you that's going to come out, but here's the deal. Love covers that. Love covers that. You know what I like to say? Love is like gravy. With enough gravy, you can eat just about anything. You know what I'm saying? I learned in my early 20s to learn how to make a good pot of gravy because, you know, well, I don't want to. Just it, 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 It's kind of like this. Some of the worst foods that you can eat for yourself are some of the best tasting foods. You know, kind of like anything, chicken fried needs gravy, doesn't it? It just needs gravy. Why? Because gravy, you, you, I, I remember when I was younger, you could eat anything and not get sick. I remember I would go to a buffet and, you know, a breakfast buffet and get scrambled eggs and bacon and, and biscuits and, 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 and potatoes, fried potatoes. And then I'd cover the whole thing in gravy. 
You know why? Because gravy covers a multitude of sins. I'm sinning, okay? Love is like that. There are things that are going to happen that's going to feel like somebody's going to offend you. In a marriage, somebody's going to offend you. But love covers up. you got to be committed to love, and that is a phileo. I'm, I'm committed to you, and I'm committed to our friendship love. Phileo love is important to the body of Christ. And couples can sometimes overlook that, that close friendship type of love. Many couples in marriage keep that phileo. Smart Successful, happy couples keep that friendship, that phileia love. The next love the Bible talks about, the word for love is eros. Everybody say eros. This is how we reference love. This is the romantic, I love you. This is the romantic side. The Bible talks about this too. If you read the book of Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, that book, if you understand the context of that, if that were to be written out in modern language, that book would actually be rated R. But I'll just read a, a part of it. It says this, uh, Eros Love, example, passage in Song of Solomon 1 and 2, it says, Kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. How pleasing is your fragrance. You, actually, you, you bathe, you smell nice. Your, your name is like the spreading fragrance of scented oils. You know that this love is a different love than philea love. For example, you know, that it's, it's hard for guys to look each other in the eye and say, you know what, man? Just eye contact, no blink. I love you. I love, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's just downright uncomfortable. But listen, man, I, I love you. That's just uncomfortable for guys. But in those days, there was a different word for ero, you know, this was eros love. Or this is you would say it completely different. In our language, it's just one word, and it's kind of weird. But this 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 word eros love is reserved only for man and woman relationships. It is the passionate love. It's the romantic love. And here's what I want to encourage you today to do: is understand that there is a process to this. Couples, I want to tell you: don't just promise to love, but promise to learn how to love your spouse. Are you with me? Promise to learn what that person, how that person perceives love, and then commit to love that person how they want to be loved. I promise to find out what it means to love you because I don't know how to love you. A lot of times we walk into relationships thinking this is, this is how I like to be loved, so I'm going to love this person the way I know I like to be loved. And, and then you, you're trying to show love to your spouse, and they, they think they're not even loved. I've seen this so many times, and it might, might take years. I've seen it take years for couples to figure this out. Let me tell you a book to, to buy if you, don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Author Gary Chapman wrote this book called The Five Love Languages. How many of you have ever heard of this book? Five Love Languages. Do you know what the five love languages is? The idea is this. That people express and perceive love through different ways depending on their emotional needs. And the idea is, is, is what, what they write here is that there are five different love languages. And here's what they look like. First of all, there are some people perceive that they are loved when you give them words of encouragement or words of affirmation. In other words, tell me how wonderful I am every now and then. Tell me Tell, tell me I'm handsome. Tell me I'm good looking. Tell me I'm a great father. Tell me I'm a great mother. Give me words of encouragement. Some people are, really feel loved when you talk to them like that. Other people are like, buy me things. Make me a card. It doesn't matter if it's expensive or cheap, but, but give me gifts. 
give me, if you give me gifts, that's, that, that's how I perceive love. Touch, physical touch. Anytime you're around me, put your hands on me because when you touch me, it tells me that, that, that I, I perceive love through physical touch. Some people are that way. Some people are addicted to that. Acts of service. I don't care how you tell me love. I don't care how, how good looking you think I am. That doesn't matter to me. Mow my yard because that's what turns me on. You know what I'm saying? What are you doing for me lately? You know, have you met these people? Are you married to one of these people? Okay. Quality time. Spend some time with me. Not just, not just don't, don't just do time with me. Spend quality time with me because that, that is how I perceive love. Now, now here's the deal. Every one of you in the house has an element of all five of these love languages, but chances are there are two that are, that are your love languages. And you need, about, you need about two and a half of these. You know, hopefully, you know, we operate in all of them, but there are two that really, really stand out. So what I want to show you is something that I'm a little bit weird or a little bit ashamed of, but I'm going to show you something. And by what you're about to hear, I want you to tell me what you think my main love language is. All right? All right. Hey, Siri. Hey. What do you call me? Wait. What do you call me? You're Travis, but you asked me to call you the most amazing, incredible, handsome man I have ever seen in the world. So based on that, based on that, what do you think my main love language is? That's right. Now keep in mind, I've been single for eight years, so you just got to roll with what you got, right? So I got computers around my, I got one of those little, uh, what is this little thing uh, by Amazon? that I talk to all the time, and I have them call me certain things that gives me words of encouragement. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I told you I was a little bit weird. We just keep that amongst us, all right? But the idea, the, the, what I want you to see, and I use myself as an example, that if somebody, if somebody perceives that, that they are loved by acts of service, and you're giving them words of encouragement, you're missing the mark. Are you with me? You have to learn this about each other. The idea, here's the idea. I believe, I believe that, that happy couples understand what each other's needs are. And, the, and I want to ask you that question. What are your spouse's top two needs? Don't answer that. But, you know, and, and get the book, it's fun, or whatever. What are your spouse's top two needs? Can you answer that? Well, the good news is, is you can find out what that is. And if you don't know that, maybe you've been trying to love them with how you've been loved or whatever. You can spend the next few weeks finding that out and rediscovering each other's emotional needs about love. But here's the deal. Successful, happy marriages, they understand this. And I, I, believe, it's, I believe this goes back to the philea love. Because unless I'm your friend... Unless I've developed a friendship with you, I'm not interested in how you feel loved. Are you with me? Am I making sense? That, that through conversation, through spending enough time with you, through, through riding bicycles, through, through camping out, through spending lots of time with just getting to know you and being your best friend, 
I'm going to learn these things about you. And girls, I want to tell you this. Just tell him. Look. (laughs) Just tell him. Why does he have to discover? He wants you to tell him. Just say, look. Buy me something and tell me I look pretty about three times a week. You know what I'm saying? I know that doesn't seem romantic, but... It works for a guy. That's how he operates. That's, that's how the other guys deal with him. But anyway, I won't get too much into that. I believe that that's what. Here, here's the deal. The opposite, when people don't have phileo love mixed with eros love. I've seen people before that, that, that they were friends. They had phileo love, but they didn't have the intimacy. Are you with me? I, I talked to a person a few weeks ago that said that they had not been intimate in their relationship in five years. And they've been married like 40 years. They have their friends, but they don't have eros. And then it it can be flipped. They have eros. They're attracted to each other. They're addicted to each other. But they can't stand to be in the same room with each other. You know what I'm saying? So happy, successful couples that grow in this. Now let's talk about the last one with the time I have left. The last word for love in the Bible is agape. Agape. Now many, many of you have heard this word. This This is the highest form of the four loves. It is the highest and the most committed of the love. And it is modeled by our Lord Jesus. In John 15 and 13, Jesus says this. He gives an example of agape love. It says, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. In other words, there is no greater love than somebody who is willing to give themselves. This is agape love. Now, the reason... That agape love is the highest of the four loves. It is the most impactful of the loves. Is first of all because it is selfless. Agape love is selfless. In other words, it says, I seek your benefit over my benefit. I seek your wills, your will. I seek your happiness over mine. I put you over mine. The second one, uh, the second thing that agape love is, is it is sacrificial. I'll give whatever it takes. This marriage, this relationship, it is not a 50-50. It is me giving 100%. Because I will, I will give whatever it takes, and if that is not enough, I will give more. That's agape love. And here's the third part of agape love, and this is why it is such a challenge, and this is why I don't feel like I practice this. It's because agape love is unconditional. You say, well, my love is unconditional for my spouse. I bet you I could set you down and talk to you for about five minutes and said, what if your spouse did this or what if your spouse did that? I guarantee you sit back and say, well, if he does that, he's out the door. Why? Because that's the way we have been conditioned. Our love has conditions. Our love has ifs. I love you if or I love you as long as. But agape love is unconditional. If I love you no matter what, you can't lose my love. No matter what you do. And I'm not telling you that you need to treat your marriage like this. I'm telling you this is, what, this is what agape love looks like. This is the love that Jesus gave to us. This is a challenge, okay? I want, I'm, in you with, I'm, in, uh, I'm in this with you. Agape love says, I will love you no matter what you do. I will love you even if you leave me. I will love you if you walk away from me. I will love you even if you are unfaithful. If you never choose me, if you choose to walk away from me, if you choose to not be with me, I still love you. That is the love of Christ. That is agape love. I will love you. And this is, this is the love of Christ. I will love you 
and I will prove that I love you at the chance that you will one day maybe choose to follow me. That's agape love. I will love you even if you never choose to be with me. I will love you. And in fact, I'm not just going to say it. Jesus said, let me prove to you. I'm going to prove to you tonight the commandment that I give you to love one another. Here's what this looks like. And I'm going to show you what this looks like. And I'm going to prove to you what agape love looks like. Here's, watch this. Because here's what it looks like. John 15 and 9 says, Jesus says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Can I ask you a question? Does the love for your spouse, does it have conditions? I get it. I get it. I'm not telling you to love somebody no matter what they do. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just, I just want to challenge our way of thinking in our culture as far as love. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not giving, this is not marriage counseling, okay? I'm just challenging the way that we love. Look at this. It might be hard to imagine loving someone like this because the way we love, we've been taught, has conditions. But when you begin to see your spouse the way Jesus does, when you begin to see the person that you love in the light of eternity, that this person in this life is like you and that we are broken, that we make mistakes, that we sin, and that we fail, when you begin to see that, you begin to see a person the way Jesus does, that, that, that we are eternal beings and that, you know, I, I, I'm, I, you're going to do things, you're going to offend me, you're going to hurt me, and listen, you're not going to walk on me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about just to see a person in, 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 within an eternal light. Like, really, this is not about the here and now. This is about we're going to be married for about 50 years. We're going to die, take a dirt nap. But really what, this ma- what matters is what happens in, t- in eternity. And what I'm thinking about doing, what I want to do is I want to walk through this life with you, and I want to help you step into the next life. I want to make you successful in your Christian walk with God. I'm going to walk through you. I'm going to walk with you through your mistakes. I'm going to walk with you through your through all the things that you go through because you're broken like I'm broken. You make mistakes like I make mistakes. But you know what? You can't lose my love because one of these days in the next life, we're going to be healed. We're going to be whole. We're not going to be tempted. We're not going to fall to temptation because we're going to be together forever with each other with God. Amen? That's when you begin to see somebody through the eyes of Jesus in an eternal light, then we begin to understand what unconditional love looks like. I want to close with this. The greatest love that we can experience is agape love, the love from our Lord. As his church, he has called us to something different. As being a part of his church, our Lord has called us to a different standard of love. And I fear that we have used that word love so much, and we've been brought up using that word for so many things that we have lost the love's true meaning. What does it really look like? And that's why I'm going back to the Scripture to really discover what God has for us. Because he has something different. And what does our marriages look like? What does our church look like as far as love? It's not about, if you're here today and you're struggling with what I'm talking about, maybe you've lost love in your relationship or maybe 
you don't show each other the love that I'm talking about. One of these four dimensions of love is, is missing from your marriage. It's, I'm not trying to condemn or cause anybody to, to be angry with each other. What I'm trying to tell you is God has something better for you than what you're experiencing. And a lot of times we're thinking, God has something better. I need to get rid of this person. No, that's not what it's about. That's about your actions in the state that you're in. I'm going to talk more about this next week. On how, what, I'm going to dive into what it is to really, really spend time. I'm going to really spend time talking about what it is to really love a person and understand and living with your spouse. But I'm telling you this because if that's where you are today and you're struggling in an area, that God has something better for you in your marriage. And you can have that if you take that step. So, Father, I pray for everybody that's here today. And I thank you, Lord, for bringing people here. And I thank you, Lord, for challenging us. This message is a huge challenge for me. But I pray, Lord, that as we have heard this word, that we begin to open up our hearts and receive, be receptive to what you want to do in all of our lives. And Lord, I pray for marriages. If you're here today and you're sitting next to your spouse, take your spouse by the hand. Let's pray for each other. Lord, I pray for marriages today that are struggling. Marriages and families that are hurting, husbands and wives that might be going through something. Lord, help us not to give up. Help us not to give up. Help us not to lose heart. But, Lord, I pray that you will strengthen us. I pray, Father, that that we take the steps to learn and grow in the area of love for our spouse that we can have in in this life. I know, Lord, that this is also about what happens in the next life. But, Lord, in this life, God, we don't just want to survive. We want to thrive. So bless every family. Bless every home, every husband and wife. And we receive this in the name of Jesus. If you receive that, say amen. If you want to continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you don't know Jesus and he's not Lord and Savior of your life, as we always do, I want to give you an opportunity to come to the Lord. If you've never said, Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life, or if you have have walked away from him and you want to rededicate your life to Christ today, that's okay. Wherever you are with God and you can say, I'm not right. I just know that I'm not right and I want to, I want to give my life to Christ. I'd like to give you an opportunity. And I, I, I want to pray for people. I'm, but I'm not going to ask you to walk the aisles. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to go back to where you are. I'm, nothing like that. This is just between you, me, and God. But I would like to know if I'm going to be praying for anybody here or if anybody's going to come home. So with nobody looking around between you, me, and God, if you can say, Travis, if you'll pray. I'm going to give my life to Christ. I'm going to pray with you. Just quickly put your hand up and put it down so I know I'm praying for somebody. Can anybody say that? That's me, Travis. I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to make things right with God. And if you'll pray, I'm going to pray along with you. Can anybody say that? See your hand right there. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else? That's me. Today I'm coming home. All right, we're going to pray. I don't know if I saw everybody's hand. God saw your hand and God saw your heart. So we're all going to pray together. And as we pray, speak this out loud with us. Give your heart to the Lord. Mean this with all of your heart. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, as I'm before you today, I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I believe in you, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, 
My life is committed to you today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate. Thank you, Lord.